1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes
2: and fees may vary.
1: Hey, Mike Lynch here. Hey, and I'm Patrick Harris. You probably like baseball, which is why you're listening to this. This is the uh, Hot Corner Podcast.
2: Well, I kind of like baseball. I guess I'll tune in.
1: Baseball's pretty neat, so thanks for listening. This is brought to you by your local Les Schwab Tire Center. Doing the right thing since 1952. Woo, baseball! constant through all the years, Ray, it has been baseball. Play
0: ball!
1: It's time for the second game of our radio doubleheader. The third base, that is a fair ball, man, an impossible
2: play. Oh, got it! Manny Machado. The inside story on baseball and more. The winning run on set. (laughs) I mean, who would you want up more than Johnny Trinnell? It's been a magical year for Johnny as
0: he comes into
2: the last game with a 699 average. All right, come on. It's getting dark. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch. It's a perfect day for softball here at the stadium. 55000 on hand for Johnny Trill. Bobblehead day here. I mean, it's a great day for the kids. All fans 16 and under will get one. And can Johnny go for the 700 batting average?
0: Do you ever shut the f*** off? On
1: 1080 The Fan. Hour two of two here on Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch. Without Harris today, he's off in uh, the middle of nowhere camping with some buddies. So it's Joe and I until nine o'clock. Fair file coming up at eight thirty, and uh, coming up next segment, I want to do a reaction to the first quarter or so of the season. But since uh, we're a little bit late, I wanted to bring this to the table here. I saw this tweet earlier today. Jared Kelnick, by the way, not having a very good start to his rookie season.
2: You know, the last I paid attention to him was about a week and a half ago. Watching Mark, and he had like a great game, almost had a damn near cycle.
1: Well, that was his second game.
2: He had like two doubles, a home run, a yep. single. It was like, geez, this kid, okay.
1: That was the second game. Uh, he, he, I think homered in his first at-bat that game, if I remember correctly. Since then, it has not been very good. No, He has played... I'm not going to count the amount of games. He has had 46 at-bats. Nope. Make that 51 at-bats. He's had 51 at-bats, and he is hitting 157. No. He was 0 for 5 again today. Jared. Uh, Two on, two outs, down by three in the top of the ninth inning. He comes up. It's a little blooper into shallow left. Elvis Andrews makes a great play, ranging backwards to end the game. Kelnick has two home runs. He has five RBIs, he has nine strikeouts, he has four walks, and uh, just two doubles. So he's got four extra base hits in all. But I also saw this. Jared Kelnick has a negative .083x slugging differential, which is uh, you know analytic mumbo-jumbo. But that means he is in the 82nd percentile for players' bad luck so far this year. Also, his expected batting average is 77 points higher than what his batting average actually is. Uh, Out of 369 players with over 25 balls put into play, that's the 12th most unlucky hitter in baseball. So Jared Kelnick is not hitting well to start his major league career, but it appears as if he should be hitting way better because he's just getting unlucky. Well, sounds like so a Mariner's a, batter to me. It does, but that's a good sign. Like if you're if you're a Mariners fan and you've been watching, you've just been seeing Kellnik go 0 for O for O for O for, you know, that's probably pretty disheartening. You had Logan Gilbert come up, who, by the way, I think he pitched yesterday. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go find that game. Going into yesterday's game, he had a 9 4 5 ERA in his first two starts. And Kelnick sitting one fifty seven. Yeah, there's Gilbert. He uh, pitched four innings, gave up two runs yesterday. His ERA is down to seven five nine. In his first three starts, he has a seven five nine ERA. He's your top pitching prospect. In fifty one at bats, Jared Kelnick sitting one fifty seven. He's your top hitting prospect. Mariner fans are probably freaking out a little bit, right? It was like this. We talked about it. Actually, you were out that week, Joe. But it was it was the day before they came up. Patrick and I were talking about our expectations for their first, you know, first week or two in the season. And my expectation for pitching was I just want to see that he's confident out there, right? It's tough to move up to the majors as a pitcher sometimes. And then hitter, I was like, I kind of want to see him hit a little bit, you know, before they adjust to you, come out and, and hit like 250, hit 270, you know, get on base, get a couple home runs, get some clutch hits. That's not happening. But if it makes you feel any better, Mariners fans, most of Jared Kelnick's issue right now is bad luck. He would be hitting... They said seventy seven points higher, so he'd be hitting like two thirty if he was hitting with the correct amount of luck. Which this season is pretty good. Which is about average this <laughs> season, yes. It looks a lot better than one fifty seven, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and he'd also have probably more RBIs and maybe another home or something like that. So it's it's a bit of bad luck, but it is it's not a good look either. It's a it's a it's a tough look when you bring up your two best prospects and they suck immediately. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably giving Mariners fans a lot of Dustin Ackley flashbacks.
2: And that's not good to have. Nick Franklin, anybody? I mean Mike Zanino.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah.
2: And let's let's be real. Jesus I mean,
1: Montero, I mean, nope.
2: <laughs> I I the that cracks me up because I remember a buddy of mine, big Mariners fan, and this was around the time that Jesus Montero was coming up. He made me, he bet, I bet Jesus Montero will lead the league. And I wrote it down, made a note of it in my notes app at the time, whenever this was like what, 2012, 2013 on your
1: your old school iPhone.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And let's just say we have fun conversations about Jesus Montero from time
1: to time. I like to bring him up because the Yankees got, got rid of him for Michael Pineda, which eh, I guess kind of both went iffy, but uh, it's just funny. I, I feel kind of bad though. I was really excited about Kelnick. I was really excited about Gilbert coming up. I'm excited about Rodriguez whenever it is they decide to call him up. You know, it's it's about time the Mariners had some hope. And it just, I'm I'm worried for Mariner fans that they're they're maybe getting a little bit depressed about how Kelnick's going so far. Yeah, I mean, and I just wanted to bring that stat out there that it's been a lot of bad luck, and it's not as bad as it looks.
2: Give it time. Give it time. Look at by a uh, uh, Byron Buxton now. You know, he's that is true the world. Did it take five years? Yes, but Took a long time. <laughs> he's
1: hurt now, too. But he boy, was he good to start this <laughs> yeah. year.
2: So give it time for the young kids.
1: All right. Let's get into a little bit of the quarter season. Look through next hot corner on the fan. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan. So we are now about... Fifty games into the season, you know I've been saying a quarter mark. It's a little, little under a third, you know. So I'll say a quarter just for for ease. But you know, a third of the way through the season, if you want to be a little bit, a little bit more in that direction, I like to take a look at these points of the year and just kind of gather where we are. Because one thing that I've always said on the show and that I I believe is, you know, about a team after a couple months of play, things can change. Obviously, the Nationals won a World Series a couple years ago when I'd say two weeks prior to this point, they were dreadful and they were able to turn it around completely. But I think generally speaking, you know a lot about a team after two months of a season. So right now, the best record in baseball is the San Diego Padres, who are 32-18. and they're 9-1 in their last 10 games. They've been winning quite a bit. This is coming even with time spent injured for guys like Fernando Tatis, who is now back. I know Trent Grisham is hurt right now. Um, Eric Hosmer missed some time with COVID. Actually, multiple guys were on the COVID IL for the Padres at a certain point. And they are 32-18 and 18 and have the best record of baseball by a game and a half. And... The Padres, for the beginning of the year, were like, man, watch out for this team. It looks like they're ready to, to actually compete with the Dodgers for the division. You know, they made good offseason moves. You bring in Blake Snell, you bring in you Darvish. Well, you Darvish has been spectacularly good. Blake Snell has been Blake Snelly. You know, sometimes he's pretty good. Sometimes he gets blown up. And your bullpen's been dynamite, which was a concern last year going into the playoffs was your bullpen. The Padres are for real. And after two months of the season, best record in baseball, it's not a mistake. It's not a joke. I believe in this Padres team to honestly, for the rest of the season, compete with the Dodgers at the top of the NLS. It's not like, I think before the year I was like, yeah, the Dodgers will win the NLS. Padres maybe will be like six, seven games back, but because the Dodgers have won 110 games, so Padres will will be in the 90s somewhere range and will be good, but they won't compete fully for the division. Based on what I've seen so far, I think they can compete for the division. And those games between those two teams have been amazing. The first two series of the year were super high-intensity rivalry games to the point where that's the best rivalry in baseball now, in my opinion. Better than Yankees, Red Sox. Better than Cubs, Cardinals. Uh, You know, both of those will still – Yankees haven't played the Red Sox yet this year, but both of those will still have an edge to them. And we've seen Cubs, Cardinals still have an edge to it. But right now it's Padres, Dodgers. And well, the Dodgers, by the way, second best second best record in baseball.
2: Just looking at the Padres too. I mean, you got Machado hitting two twenty four, Tommy Pham hitting one ninety eight, Will Myers at two twenty seven. So I mean, mm-hmm. they're three pretty good players at the dish, and Tommy Pham probably more so out in the field. But still, I mean, like those guys are underperforming at the plate, and your team is still really good. Yes, that's encouraging.
1: It is encouraging. Uh, Dodgers, I don't feel like there's a lot to say. They went through the really bad stretch in April where they, I think it was, they lost nine of 10 and a bunch of them were pretty close games. They've rebounded into form. I'm not worried about the Dodgers at all. They dealt with a lot of injuries, a lot, a lot of injuries. And they like the Dodgers always do keep bringing up players from AAA who can hit in the majors. So,
2: well, they swept the giants. So that must've, you know, boosted their confidence a little bit. i watched a little bit of uh, Scott Kazmier.
1: Yeah, did you see him return?
2: Uh, yeah, I saw Max Muncy absolutely obliterate a ball out of the park. Casimir didn't first pitch that
1: though. I think he only gave up a couple runs.
2: Yeah, he, he didn't, but it was first inning, and God, I don't I don't know if I've ever seen a ball leave AT and T Park faster than Mac Muncy, Max Muncy's home run that day. It was uh, insane.
1: Top ten records in baseball right now. So we got Padres, Dodgers, Rays are thirty one and twenty, Giants. You just mentioned. Red Sox, White Sox, Yankees, A's, Indians are the top 10 records in baseball right now. The biggest thing of note for me there is the Red Sox. We on this show kind of thought the Red Sox might be the worst team in the AL East this
2: year. We, We thought.
1: Well, we thought, but we knew it would be close with the Orioles, but I thought the Orioles might kind of have a good surprise year this year and beat the Red Sox out. Look, the Red Sox, I don't trust their pitching staff at all. Starting wise at least. I, their bullpen's decent. But or at least the back end of their bullpen's decent. They can just rake. Yep. And as long as they're hitting, they're going to be just fine. They're <laughs> going to be fighting at the top of the AL East. Right now, the two best divisions in baseball by far are the NL West and the AL East. The NL West has the Dodgers, uh, Do- uh, sorry, the Padres, the Dodgers and the Giants records 1 2 and 4 in the top 10. The AL East has the Rays, Red Sox and the Yankees. Records three, five, and seven in the the major leagues. I mean, it's just going to be a dogfight for both those divisions till the end.
2: We want to talk about a dogfight. I mean, talk about the NL East. Who wants to win that division? Are the Mets still in first? Yes. (laughs) And that's basically just because of COVID. I mean, they played a few less games. They do have a winning record, though.
1: They do. And uh, Jacob DeGrom is incredible. So we've got that, but they can't hit to save their life. But of note, in those best records, Red Sox for me, for sure. I'm surprised the Giants are up there. I'm not sure how uh, how long the Giants will be able to keep that up in a division as good as the NL West is at the top. You know, they can beat up on the Rockies and the Diamondbacks a little bit. But uh, the, the Giants are having kind of renaissance season. Buster Posey's hitting well. Brandon Crawford's hitting well. Uh, they're pitching really, really well, too. They kind of brought in a bunch of pitchers who nobody really thought was going to be any good anymore, and they've all turned out to pitch pretty well. So, I'm not sure how sustainable it is, but you know, I trust guys like Buster Posey, even if he's older, if he can hit like this. All right, all right, Giants, I see what you're doing down at the bottom. Orioles now have the worst record in baseball. I'm sorry, Joe. I didn't actually know that.
2: Well, that happens when you lose nine straight, Mike.
1: <sighs> yep, uh, Diamondbacks are down there nine straight, Pirates, stuff like we expected, Tigers, Rockies. Uh, twins, though, have the sixth worst record in baseball. And the Angels have the eighth worst record in baseball. Those are the two teams of note for me down there.
2: What happened to the Twins? Well, I mean, they're improving their record because they're playing the Orioles right now in a series. So, I mean. Cool. The- they have won four in a row and they're still 20 and 29. <laughs> I'll be a boost in confidence, I'm sure, for them. So, I know
1: Byron Buxton got hurt, but even when he was playing, they were still losing. What's going on? Is it their staff? I think it has to be their staff, right? Kenton yeah. is a guy who they thought was going to come back and pitch really well. I'm not sure he's pitching the same level that we've seen. I know they signed Jay Happ, which was a disaster from the get-go just because it's Jay Happ. It's like, maybe they can still hit, but they can't pitch to save their life. Is that what's going on with them?
2: Uh, they're giving up the third most runs in the AL, so that would be probably where you'd have to look. I remember Patrick even saying that at the uh, beginning of the year. I said to him, I'm like, I don't know, man, the Twins. They, that uh, that uh, lineup looks pretty damn good. and." First thing Patrick said, he's like, yeah, I just don't know if I trust that staff. And it's proven to be right at this moment.
1: Yeah, I'm going to pull up their pitching stats here. And
2: God, this computer is slow.
1: In a second. The other team is the Angels there. The Angels are a team that because of their lineup, I was kind of uh, maybe hopeful is the wrong word, but I kind of had a a little bug in my ear say like, oh, maybe they'll be better than we think because they can hit. Well, they still can't pitch. And I kind of ignored that. I was worried about it, but I was like, ah, but look at the up, you got a full season of Otani. You got Rendon. You got Trout. You got Fletcher. I like the lineup. Uh, they can hit. They pitch worse than most teams.
2: Um, they pitch worse than basically everybody in the American League because they have given up the most runs.
1: More more than the Orioles in the American League. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, they can't pitch. They have in no the bullpen. Entire
2: MLB for oh, that matter. Really, two hundred and seventy-two runs against. Yikes. Uh, next closest is the Diamondbacks at two fifty-nine.
1: Wow. So particularly bad pitching. I remember watching a couple of their games early in the year, and Rysel Iglesias uh, is their closer, former Red, and he blew like the first two or three saves. I saw them play this. Or saw him try to get this year in the first couple of games. I saw the Angels play, and I went ooh. What happened to him? And then I stopped watching them for a while and they just can't pitch. Their starters can't pitch. Otani is their best starter and he's not going long in all these games. He walks a lot of guys. So he's only going like four and two thirds, five innings in a lot of these games. You get into the bullpen and they stink. And Trout's hurt now for a couple months. So angels suck. Uh, For the twins, I, I pulled it up. Who is their best starting pitcher? That would be Jose Barrios. Yeah. With a 3.6.7 ERA. So the best starting pitcher is at a 3.6.7 in this day and age.
2: And that's where not, teams can't hit. I mean, and especially for him, that's not like it's an okay ERA, but for him, you expect it to be closer to the three or even below it.
1: Yeah. Actually, looking at this here, uh, Michael Pineda has the best ERA. Speaking of <laughs> Jesus <about> Montero, <laughs> he has a 2.6.2. Two. But the other starters, Matt Shoemaker, 5.4.8, Kenta Maeda, 5.2.7, oh, five, 4 5.4.4. Oh. There's your problem. Here's your problem, Bob. Do you think the Twins and/or the Angels can turn it around? That's the important question.
2: Uh, probably not the Angels. I could see the Twins turning it around. I mean, if you're getting if you're getting that good at pitching out of Pineda and, like I said, Barrios should be better than a high three ERA. Those other three, obviously, well, you say, J. hap Matt Shoemaker, and Kentama? I mean, Maeda should be better than that too. So. I- Out of those two, I could see the twins turning around more so than the A's, but yeah, Trout's going to be out for another like six, seven weeks. Yeah. I mean that, and to me, it doesn't look like their pitching is going to get any better at all.
1: I think that's a fair point. I would, I would trust the twins more plus in their division, the Indians are playing well and they're in second in the division, but do you think the Indians are making the playoffs? Their offense isn't is an atrocity.
2: Yeah. I, I'm just looking at the Angels like starters for this year. I mean, like Dylan Bundy um, does he does nothing for me anymore, at least. Well, of course.
1: He used to yeah. do a lot for you.
2: Andrew Haney. I mm-hmm. mean Jose, Griffin Canning. Jose Quintana has been a dud for them. Yep. He has a seven point nine two ERA.
1: He's been, frankly, dead for the last few years. So
2: Alex Cobb. Come on.
1: They brought in Alex Cobb. That guy's a gas can. Oh, my
2: God. Trust me. I know this from experience.
1: Yes, you do. Two of those guys from experience. <laughs> uh, twins fan is in on the text line. The bullpen has an ERA of six plus, and they signed Alex Coleman to be their closer, and he's been horrible. Absolutely horrible. So, yeah, twins can't pitch. Angels can't pitch. And look at that. They're bad. Because guess what? You need to pitch to be good. The Yankees can't hit, but they can pitch and they have a good record because of it. (laughs) That's kind of, that's, I feel like that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. The synopsis pitching important. Very, very important. If you're a great hitting team, you're going to be good because that's very rare this year. So Dodgers and Red Sox and White Sox are all up at the top there. But if you have elite pitching, that's all that matters. Padres pitching is great. The Rays pitching is very good, by the way. A little love to Rich Hill, who has been, who's like 49 years old. That's a slight exaggeration, but he's like 42. He's been pitching so well. And he now has the greatest nickname I've seen on Twitter uh, for, uh, it's it's from Pitching Ninja. His nickname, Joe, is Dick Mountain. What? Because of Rich, Richard, Hill, Mountain. Oh. His nickname is Dick Mountain.
2: Yes. Okay. I feel like I heard this. I thought you said Bick at first. I was like, what? No, I,
1: yes. I I talked about this on primetime.
2: D- yeah, Dick Mountain. That's a that's a solid nickname.
1: Right? That is a fantastic. When nickname. they do the
2: jerseys with your nicknames on it, it definitely needs to have just Mountain across the top.
1: <laughs> I hope he does that. That'd be really, really funny. He has okay. So his stats don't scream amazing. He's got a 363 three ERA. But here is his month of May. Okay. No earned runs, no earned runs, no earned runs, one earned run, two earned runs.
2: Damn.
1: His ERA in the month of May is 0.
2: .91. Damn old
1: man Rich. He was at a 7.25 in April, which is why his ERA is still 3.63. But I watched him against the Yankees and I've been I've been watching his highlights against the other teams. That dude doesn't throw any faster than 88. Uh, that's his fastest pitch, maybe gets up to 90. His curveball is like 68 miles an hour, and it's not an ephis It's just a curveball, a big sweeping curveball. I have never seen so many swings and misses at an 88-mile-an-hour fastball in my <laughs> life because they're all sitting waiting for his off-speed stuff so he can throw 88 over there, and they're swinging like it's 98. Like, they're really behind 88-mile-an-hour fastballs. So he's kind of – it's the Rays, man. The Rays get these guys, and they just turn out to be good.
2: He's probably like, thank God for this season, everybody not being able to hit. I can maybe actually get some things done.
1: <laughs> maybe. <laughs> or he or the Rays got into him. And we're like, hey, just do this a little differently. I look, it's going to look what's going to happen.
2: I mean, just real quickly, I was reading an article today about the, the Brewers and the lab that they have, the pitching lab. And I mean, I think pitchers are just getting insanely good at being able to figure out how to get better. And how to throw pitches better and some of the some of the sticky
1: stuff stuff is uh is certainly part of it. They're saying that they're picking up balls that are just like hard to take your hands off of. They're so sticky. So some guys are using pine tar, and maybe a lot of them are.
2: When you saw today with the Cardinals, uh, Joe Old Joe West. Oh my God,
1: <laughs> that's something, man. That is something. <laughs> of course something. it was him. I don't even think the guy who was pitching had any pine tar. He just said your hat's dirty.
2: Yeah, there switch was, your hat. There was some sort of something on the bill of that hat for sure. Yeah, but who knows? I don't know. Who knows? I don't know.
1: But yeah, spin rates are going up, even on fastballs. I've 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 read a lot of articles with the you know the stats and the analytics that are kind of hard to repeat on air, but you know or at least make it interesting on the air. But spin rates of fastballs are skyrocketing, and it's just making them rise a little bit more. Like no fastball rises when it's pitched overhand it shouldn't (laughs) because it's it's you know you're going downhill but it has the appearance if it stays straight it has the appearance of rising because everything comes downhill from the pitcher and i guess the increased spin rate is making more and more guys fastballs stay straight which is why the high fastball is has become such a big part of baseball and it's and that's why you see so many guys swinging pitches at their eyes because they're so used to the You know, when you see the ball, it's going to dip a little bit into your bat path and they're just not dipping. The fastball is just staying up and you're seeing a lot of guys use the upper part of the strike zone. It's just impossible to hit. And I guess for these hitters, it's really, really hard to lay off because it just looks good out of the hand. And you only have so much time to make a decision to swing or not. So, all right, let's take a break. Coming up next, it's time for fair or foul foul.
0: Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
1: All right, that music like an intro means it's time for four, fair or foul. Joe quizzes us on baseball stats and asks us opinion questions, but it's just me today, so curious what you got for me, Joe. Sometimes when you're out and I'm in there, I like to just, like, do random statistical quiz questions to patrick based on like league leaders i'm like trying to see like do you know who's hitting and pitching well this year
2: yeah yeah that's exactly where we're going to start this off by okay. the way i wanted the blazers to draft matisse Thybul when uh he was available because yeah, of has, his uh, defensive prowess mike just gave me some pretty solid stats there
1: he has five blocks and four steals or, or had i had suppose yeah tonight in just 19 minutes
2: Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I definitely pretty, would like to have that on the Blazers. Pretty, pretty, good. uh good. What the Orioles would like to have is uh, guys who can score runs and pitch and basically do everything. <laughs> Call a Badly Rudgeman, you jerks. Yeah, eventually. I say we just keep stocking up those minor leagues and bring them all up at the same time, like the Mariners, right? Right. That'll work out. Then you'll instantly win. Yes. Um, but there is one Oriole that is playing very well. And good for him because he had a very scary offseason and last year because it was a possible bout with cancer. Yeah. Trey Mancini, he has come back this year, and he is playing very well, so well that fair or foul, Mike, he leads the league in RBIs.
1: I'm sorry to spoil this for you, but I Damn saw it. this. I saw this tweet. This, fair. this
2: is the tough thing about working with you guys is because you're so on top of most of this stuff. And then I see something like this. I'm like, oh, bet they don't know that one.
1: I saw this one. I'm sorry, uh, yeah, fair, he is first in the MLB with RBIs and that dude is every game hitting. Like I've been watching the box scores with him because I, I saw, I want to say it was like two weeks ago, I saw a note about Mancini and how well he'd been hitting. So now every time, like every night when I go through the box scores and I, I like to open up the MLB app and I just like watch the highlights from each game that I missed. Mancini's just the only one hitting. Well, him and Mullins.
2: Yeah, I was going but, to say Cedric and Mullins too. But. but
1: Mancini's just caught like homers, big RBI doubles. It's not leading the
2: wins, but you know what? He's good. And uh, knowing the Orioles, they'll probably trade him for a bunch of prospects. And just How many RBIs does he have? 42. 42. Yes, 42. Wow.
1: That's got to be on, on pace for what, like 110 or something?
2: I mean, we're at the... Third quarter mark or whatever. I mean, yeah, you're definitely getting at least hundred this year. Wow, maybe one twenty. Trey Mancini. Yeah, dude, he can rake. He wasn't ever this good though. What's his average? No, but he's he's good. I mean, I mean, he was the only shining light over these last few seasons. Where well, he,
1: hasn't he missed the last two years? He, he he missed last year. I thought he opted out of last year. I thought. I mean, and I thought he yes. missed 2019 no. or at least part of it.
2: Now he played basically all of 2019. Oh, okay. All right. Um, had a 291 average. There you go. Batted 293 in 2017. You know, what is he hitting this year? Uh, this year he's batting 278.
1: Okay. So amazing this year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. All star. Uh, so yes, that is fair. Um, moving on to uh, like we've been talking about this whole season, the lack of hitting want to get your feelings on this early season the entertainment value so far fair or foul although there has been a lack of hitting this has been one of the more entertaining starts of an MLB season in quite some time
1: hmm interesting question i feel like that's a very loaded question
2: yes i'm going to
1: go ahead and say foul it's been interesting i've been intrigued I'm a very bad person to ask this question because I'll watch baseball even if the quality of it is terrible because I love the sport so much. I think most people with whatever sport it is that you love the most, you could probably agree with that. I'm going to say foul though. It's not the most entertaining because as Dom we said, a lot of the times it's not watchable. It's not very entertaining. There's been things of note. There's been a lot of no hitters. You know, there's uh, tight division races. There's some surprise teams here and there. I've been enjoying the season so far but no that is that is foul in order for it to be the most entertaining it's gotta we gotta have some offense we gotta have some runs I, I like good pitching I enjoy watching the no hitters I'm not getting tired of the no hitters it's I just want to see some more action that's all
2: i agree i think it's been fun with some of the rivalries and the obviously the Larusa stuff and some of the player interactions that we've had throughout the season and fan interactions obviously with having people back in the stadiums and the astros getting heckled um but yes without the offensive firepower it's still lacking just a little bit and for our last one we're just gonna do three today and this one, since Tony LaRussa has been a subject of conversation over the last couple of weeks, fair or foul, Tony Larusa is the reason that we have the blue check mark in Twitter. What? Is this an actual fact question? You heard me, yes. Is Tony
1: LaRussa the reason we have the blue check mark on Twitter? I I don't know, because you
2: asked it fair? <laughs> Because you're setting it up to be a question. I was gonna say, with the setup, it, you should probably know the answer, right? Yeah, I mean, by
1: logic, I'd go fair. <laughs> yeah,
2: uh, yeah, this is fair, Mike. And this goes to Tony Larusa. This goes to the very early days of Twitter. I have an article here from long ago, 2009, <sighs> before I graduated high school.
1: Yes, I was. Uh, I was in college.
2: This was the, This was from the summer going into my senior year. Where I felt unstoppable.
1: You were a 2010 graduate.
2: Yes. Mm. Felt like. Oh seven I could, in here. I could accomplish anything. Do whatever I wanted, Dad. I have a car now. <laughs> uh, Tony LaRusa apparently uh, tried to sue Twitter because there was a fake account under his name posting offensive messages.
1: Ah, and he went, no, 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 no. I want to post offensive messages myself that are going to be differently offensive than these messages. <laughs>
2: Right, um, is so, he even still on Twitter? That's a good question. I don't, I don't know if he is on Twitter. It was just someone under his name, and was oh, acting like him on Twitter, which
1: is why he sued. He yes. didn't have his own account.
2: I okay. am going to go on a limb and say that Tony LaRusa does not have a Twitter account.
1: I'd probably say he's, he calls it tweets.
2: Yeah, I know that the olds are on Twitter, but I'm just going to guess that Tony LaRusa is not on there. I'm doing a quick Twitter search here. And I stand corrected. Tony LaRusa, blue check mark, White Sox manager, baseball hall 2014.
1: What does he tweet? Um, over under, his last tweet was in 2018.
2: He doesn't really. Uh, there, there's a tweet. For the most part, it's a lot of retweets.
1: Mm. That's disappointing.
2: Um, a lot of retweets from ARF, which is apparently uh, people rescuing animals, animals <laughs> rescuing people association. I don't mean to laugh
1: at that, but that's that's uh It's not even baseball. He's tweeting.
2: Yeah, it's a lot of ARF retweets. Chicago White Sox retweets. Apparently he's uh big on rescuing animals, so good for him. Anyways,
1: I'm I okay. While you speak, I'm gonna go find his last actual tweet.
2: I'm pretty sure it was a tweet about arf. And oh, yes, it, yes it was. Yep. Basically, it was just that someone was going on there, you know, saying things, and he didn't like it and was gonna sue Twitter. And uh, a few weeks after that, the company launched a beta version of a feature it calls Verified Account. Let's the Twitterverse know which celebrities and other online personalities posting to its site are the real deal. The last one he posted about baseball that I did in a quick scroll was
1: when Hank Aaron passed away. <laughs> he, took a, he posted a picture of him, Joe Torre, Hank Aaron, I think that's Frank Robinson and I don't know who the guy in the middle is, but, um... Oh, no. And said, uh, to be fair, accurate, and respectful, it's not necessary to determine the all-time best, just that you're included in the conversation. Hank Aaron is in the group of baseball's best players, and so on and so forth.
2: Boy. So. Uh, so, yeah, I just saw one of the tweets that uh, the Larusa impersonator was putting out there, and, boy, it's it's rough. I could understand him being upset about it for both reasons, but one more so than the other. One of them's actually pretty funny. The other is terrible. So, uh, in April, a LaRusa impersonator was making light of the deaths of Cardinals pitcher Daryl Kyle and Josh Hancock. Oh. Plus, poking fun at LaRusa's arrest, which is the funny part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently, he tweeted uh, uh, after a series against Chicago lost two out of three, but we made it out of Chicago without one drunk driving incident or dead pitcher. Ooh. <laughs> That's yeah. a spicy tweet right there. Yeah, exactly. So I'm sure Tony LaRusso got wind of that. That was going around. Did you post this? Did you say that, Tony? Oh my god! So definitely understand him uh, getting a little upset about that. The DUI, no sympathy no. from me on that. But yeah,
1: and he's had multiple, right? So yeah, he's got two. Uh, speaking of Tony LaRusso, I forgot about this because I wanted to forget about it. But earlier today, another. Chapter in the page of White Sox Ownership doesn't have any idea What they're doing We'll be next here on Hot Corner On 1080 This is the Hot Corner With Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan So you bringing up Tony La Russa Reminded me of this and we'll wrap up The show with this today it's it's a Disgrace You know People were pissed at the White Sox and Jerry Reinsdorf who owns them for bringing in Tony La on a team that was filled with young players who were not white and a guy who was very old school and didn't appreciate the new way of playing as well as has had a past of saying some racist things. And the White Sox are good. So, you know, so far uh, either they're winning despite Tony La Russa or he's doing a good job. This, this came across my timeline today. This is a tweet. This legit pissed me off. It is a picture of a sign that says La Russa's Lounge at, uh, what is it called? Guaranteed Rate Field. This was formerly named Loretta's Lounge after Loretta Massell, who worked concessions for the Sox for 60 years. They dedicated it to her during the 2005 World Series. She gave so much to the organization, and replacing her name to that of Tony La Russa is shameful. I guess she said that she didn't there's there's an article linked in this as well. She said that she didn't like sitting still, she liked working, which is why she worked there for 60 years and she was at the same concession stand the entire time. So that little area of tables next to that concession stand was named Loretta's Lounge. And in Tony Larusso's first 2 months there as manager, they changed it to Larusso's Lounge. I guess there's still a plaque on the wall saying Loretta Macell and you know giving her some love, but Talk about tone deaf. What on, what on earth is that decision-making process? No thought goes into, we're about to remove someone who we honored with this because they were here and served the ballpark and all the fans for 60 effing years with Tony La Russa.
2: I'm convinced what? that the most recent DUI, it was actually Jerry Reinsdorf behind the wheel. And Tony La Russa was like, you know what? I'll take the fall for you. And he's just blackmailing him now with all this he's Like, ch- ch- You need to change that uh, concessions area for me. That's named after yeah, a black
1: woman. That's yeah, unacceptable.
2: Put, put my name on it. <laughs> I'm going to do what I want with this team and piss off the entire team and everybody and totally go against them. And, and you're just going to have to deal with it.
1: By the way, she's not black. That was just a, uh... Uh, she is an old white woman who was who it was named I mean, after. With a
2: name like Loretta, I mean.
1: No, I was just doing that more as a joke flip. against Tony Russo. But yeah, she is. She is a white woman. But um, that, I guess, that could be possible. It just, it just seems like the typical gentlemen's club, old men hiring old men kind of thing. And it's just weird.
2: Hundred percent just weird. I have a uh, palate cleanser for you. Cleanse the palate, sir. So the Mets, when they have away games, they're using the home team's video, fee- uh, video feed for their broadcasts.
1: Right, because they're not going to the games themselves.
2: Right, so now they're just starting to like make fun of it and just like make jokes and so whatever, because sometimes they'll just show a, p- a random player and just keep showing them so it's like clear the home team is talking about him. And they were doing that about Joey Wendell. And so they're like, what, what, I wonder what they're doing with Joey Wendell. What's the big deal with him? And the sideline reporter went and investigated and they were doing a piece on him. And they found out that Joey Wendell apparently growing up had older brothers that would put a shock collar on him like a dog and would like bully him and tease him. And they're like, and it apparently taught Joey Wendell how to be stronger and tougher and be more resilient. And the the Mets guys are just like, I guess uh, that's one way to spin. And hopefully their bail time isn't too short. Right. Like that is borderline abusive. That (laughs) is one
1: way to spin abuse. Let me tell you.
2: (laughs) Their reaction. They were so caught off guard and just did not know what to even say. It was hilarious. I
1: I absolutely love the Mets announcers. They are fantastic.
2: All right. That's going to do it for us today. Patrick and I will be back
1: next week. And uh, we'll have a normal show for you from seven to nine. Have a very good rest of your Wednesday.